Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Tomorrow's State of the Union address will be particularly important, one to pay attention to, especially when it comes to such a crucial time for President Biden's political future. Republicans aren't going to be the only ones eyeing the president and how to beat him in a presidential election. There's actually many Democrats that are looking at this speech, uh, trying to determine what the political winds are saying in Washington, what comes next. And so we turn to our inside source, Chris Dyerwalt, contributing editor of The Dispatch, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, has a great insight here, great piece in The Dispatch today. And uh, Chris, thanks for joining us. And just to start with a high level, what what do you expect uh, President Biden to try to do tomorrow? Well... Uh, I expect that he will try to deliver a speech made out of copy and paste uh, priorities sent in by the different cabinet officials and legislative priorities, uh, legislative priorities sent in by congressional officials. He will try to satisfy the demands of his campaign team, uh, and he will try to satisfy national security demands. He will try to do all of these things and it will probably turn into a long slog. It will turn into a long slog because the State of the Union address gets freighted with all of these things, so it tries to be all things to all people. Yeah, it'll be the ultimate in uh, Jamba Juice cocktail uh, as uh, everything gets thrown into the blender, and uh, hopefully the uh, cut-and-paste people uh, at least get the transitions right uh, so that it's not a (laughs) a total hodgepodge there. Uh, So now if if you were advising the president, let's say if we could reduce this down from the 27 gazillion requests uh, that he's getting, and let's just start with his political future. What's the one message he needs to get across both to his base uh, and to the, the middle of the country, uh, if he's going to say, hey, I'm serious about 2024 and I am your guy? Well, I think his, I think the task he has to first achieve is to look like he's, you know, got his faculties about him. Uh, there's a new poll from, uh, I think this is the ABC poll, but uh, – only something like 30% of Americans thought that he had the physical and mental wherewithal uh, to execute the offices of commander-in-chief. So while the speech is an incredible stage, right, the flag is there, the lighting is amazing, it looks great, uh, it's like a movie set. If you've ever been in the room when it's lit for the State of the Union, it is amazing. Um, and But it does show flaws, right? It yeah. is a very close look. So 
Biden, they need to give Biden a speech that he that he can have mastery of uh, and that he can move through swiftly uh, and with confidence. Yeah. So that's thing number one. Thing number two is, and, and this goes to that, he has to look like someone that Elizabeth Warren, who will be sitting out in the audience, mm. does not think would be an easy mark in a Democratic primary. Because very likely the difference between Joe Biden getting reelected and Joe Biden not getting reelected could come down to whether or not he faces a difficult primary challenge uh, in his own party. We know the history. Uh, presidents who lose reelection, uh, George H.W. Bush, Jimmy Carter, uh, Gerald Ford running for his own term, all faced uh, serious primary challenges. Um, and for Biden, he has a party, and that same poll uh, made it clear, the overwhelming majority of Democrats do not want him for their nominee again. They would really like to have somebody else. Now, the problem for Democrats is there is not an obvious somebody else. But right now, when you're thinking in the abstract, uh, it's very tempting for Democrats to think that they'd like something else. So Biden needs to send a message that he's strong, number one. But number two, that he's getting results on the things that Democrats want. So he has to look formidable. Yeah. Uh, so, so talk to me for a second, Chris, about what I think is one of the big challenges. Obviously, the president wants to tout for his base successes, things that are going well, things they've been able to get past or get through. But he has this congruency issue where what he wants to tout and what the American people are feeling are just not congruent. And so how does how does he do that? Look strong, formidable, like you said. But he's still got to be credible with the American people who are having a much different experience sitting around the kitchen table. Well, you know, the thing is. For the people who are politically engaged enough to be watching, well, we should also remember. It's what gets clipped and replayed. There'll be a moment. There'll be a few moments that get clipped and replayed. And and it's not just about it's, it's not even mostly about the audience tomorrow night because right. the audience tomorrow night, if you're politically engaged enough that you want to watch the state of the union, very few of those folks are, are genuine, persuadable voters, mm. right? Because if you're politically engaged enough to be watching, you're probably politically engaged enough to have an opinion. Um, so the, the secondary audience is really the primary one, which is to say on the local news tomorrow or on Wednesday morning, what will, the folks, you know, in the, in the 90 seconds that it will get uh, before the weather, what will uh, what will Susie Cream Cheese, uh, local news anchor, say uh, that Biden said? And what Biden wants to take away there to be is that he is. Look, Joe Biden does have a lot to be happy about. Yeah. He does have uh, a jobs report that shattered expectations. He does have inflation waning. He does have a lot to sell. But as you allude to, that's not what people think. And if you look at those same polls that talk about people's estimations of Biden, their estimation of how the economy is doing, what the trajectory for the country is, what these other things are, is poor. Americans have have a poor outlook about the current condition of the country and its future. If you're Biden, you cannot you're not going to win an argument, right? You're not going to, you're not going to tell people uh, something and, and, and change their minds. But what you can do is look cool. 
Uh, I know that sounds small, but what you can do is look like you know what you're doing, look like you know what you're talking about, look like you're in command, look like you have presence. And that, that does quite a lot because people, people see more than people hear. Yeah. Voters look before they listen, and sometimes they don't listen at all. So if you're Biden, you want to look like you got it going on and that you're in a good place. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. That's so important. We, we often talk about the fact in, that uh, Washington is so target-driven. So it's, you know, delivering the speech. It's the vote. Uh, and, and so on a speech like this, uh, I would always say, you know, it's not, it's not even the speech. It's the, it's the punch-through. What, what do you want the headline to be tomorrow? And what do you want people talking about the next day? Uh, so if, if, you, if you were writing the headline for President Biden for Wednesday morning, what would you want the headline to be? Biden counts accomplishments uh, and that that accomplishments on economy, on Ukraine. Uh, and that's a, the, the danger for Biden is that. Look, he knows we know everybody knows there's no real agenda for this year. You have a divided Congress and small majorities for each party in opposing houses. And it's just not. But no, there's no big breakthrough coming and that this year will be mostly defined in Washington. The politics of this year will mostly be defined around fights over mm. uh, keeping the federal government open uh, and raising the debt ceiling. Those are because that because of life. That's those are the things. So if, if you think about it this way, Biden wants to create a narrative that it's him against uh Matt Gates, right? Mm-hmm. Biden wants a narrative that says, I'm doing my best to be a nice guy. I'm doing my best to be a good leader. But these mean Republicans in the House, they will not let me and they will not let that happen. So my if, if I were a Democrat, I would advise Biden, be magnanimous, be generous, be gracious. It won't cost you anything. But that's where that other part of his mandate come or the other mm-hmm. part of his objective interferes which is if he's too magnanimous, Democrats will say, well, he's not fighting enough. He's not mean enough he, because they want a champion. They want an avatar for themselves in this you know, eternal struggle with the red team. So Biden has to find a way to balance those two things. How do you seem like you are a, a generous of spirit uh, and magnanimous person? Because that's what persuadable voters will want. Uh, but the Democrats who could scuttle his chances for reelection with a primary fight might want acrimony. They might want they want uh, a little bit more brutality. All right. And uh, as I always say, that what the American people really want is a smart fighter. <laughs> they do want someone to fight for them, who's going to stand up for them, but they want someone who's not just throwing haymakers, uh, someone who's being real smart and strategic, maybe even a little magnanimous uh, about it. Uh, Chris Steyerwald, always a great insight and perspective, a great piece uh, from our friends at The Dispatch. And uh, again, Chris Steyerwald's a contributing editor for The Dispatch. He's also a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Chris, thanks for weighing in. We'll see how this plays out tomorrow. A pleasure to talk to you.
All right, again, that's uh, Chris Steyerwalt uh, from the Dispatch, and uh, really interesting takes in terms of all of the constituencies that President Biden has got to to deal with and speak to in some way during the course of his speech tomorrow. And I think Chris is right. If he tries to do too much, uh, it's going to be a long slog. It's going to be a hard speech to watch and listen to. A lot of people are going to tune that out. Uh, is he enough of a fighter for the far left of his base? Is he magnanimous enough to get the the movable middle in the in the center of the country? Uh, can he balance touting accomplishments with the feeling and frustration that everyday Americans are actually experiencing in their day to day lives? It is a tall order. This is a tough speech. For President Biden, and we're going to continue to break that down as we go through the day today. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.